All right, so welcome to the Front and First Podcast. <laughs> Podcast where we talk about slaloms and the specific heat of water. No, this really is cool. Welcome, by the way, also to every all, all of you listening out there. Uh, I'm in Utah right now. It's so cool. I just want to say this because I'm sitting at the window and I can see the slalom in Park City that they use in the 2002 uh, Winter Olympics, which is very cool. And I just see, sit here. I'm doing some work and I watch people go down this thing. And they're going like 100 miles an hour, and they're just killing it. So it's pretty wild. Solomon's the one where you go through like the flags, right? Yes, exactly. And you like hit the edge, and you, you uh, look like a badass. Exactly, totally. Nice. And they look, they look like that. I mean, they're getting like horizontal. It's just crazy. You can tell people here. Like, there's a lot of people here um, who have like grown up on this mountain, or just grow. You know, they've just grown up with yeah. like a board attached to their feet. We met some folks in the in the hot tub last night, and they were saying um, they were on this part that I can see with like the hills, like kind of like a park area with like the half pipe and stuff. And they saw some dude just do this like ripped this gnarly like triple backflip. Like I'm serious. Like they're doing these crazy <laughs> things. They're like, and they're they've been a bunch of places. Later an hour, they they open up their Instagram, and then one of the guys they follow had posted it and they had just seen him do it like an hour before it was the same guy doing the same trick so like people are here from all over like you know it's one of the best best. yeah it's one of the best ski places in the the u.s right i I think so i mean i I guess so i don't know how to judge it we we went last year um it was like too early so there wasn't a lot of snow apparently right now is like the best time of year to do it so i just have to maybe make this a recurring birthday trip and then hopefully next year i can actually go out there and my back will feel better but it it is awesome. And the mountain is so huge that it's like kind of hard to even know, you know, all the places to explore. It, there's just a lot out here. It's it's really awesome. Cool. Very yeah. cool. Cool, man. Um, today we wanted to uh, read Derek's article. Do we still want to do that or do you want to talk about server components? Let's do Derek's article. I, I really like this article. Awesome. So we are going to do a little read along here. Uh, our buddy Derek Reimer. Um, wrote a blog post that kind of caught both of our attention the other the other day about maybe two weeks ago and um, we know Derek actually we've had Derek on this podcast before yeah guest of the pod he was a guest when he was working on on uh, his app level which was like an elm app which in in uh, in light of our conversation on typescript is kind of interesting why be interesting to go back and listen to that you know because i remember him saying expressing very similar sentiments to the kinds of stuff that we were saying and that we've experienced the last six to 12 months using typescript more and you know the relationship to testing and all that good stuff so uh how confident you feel in your code all that good stuff refactoring so that might be you know we'll link it in the show notes for sure because that was a, that was a really good episode he had just started with elmo's his first app but he's a very thoughtful um guy when it comes to this stuff so he took the time to learn the principles and he, he articulated them well i remember so uh anyways uh today uh over on derekreimer.com he wrote this blog post this was uh ship small ship fast right mm-hmm. um and so we're just going to read it and kind of react react after all that is uh what we do most of the time <laughs> so uh this is called ship small ship fast it was written on january 23rd yeah, about two weeks ago and so uh let's just, i'll just start reading it here so derek says big long-running feature branches are the worst 
They're challenging to tame and they slow you down. The odds of bugs slipping in under the radar are high. Each time you return to the project, you need to load an increasing amount of information in your mental RAM to return to flow. Merge conflicts stack up. I, I mean, right away, we got got a lot of stuff there. I, I mean, I'm you're, I'm hooked. I'm reading the rest of this article. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think when, when we do the consulting stuff, um, th- th- that highlights this problem even more. But even in our own projects, it's a, it's a problem. It's annoying. You end up, come back to a branch. You try to rebase or merge and master and you run it again. Oh, wait, you have to NPM install. And now you're working with like a different version of dependency tree that could affect the code you were writing. There's just that there's so many things. And especially in like a bigger code base too, it gets even harder. So mm-hmm. uh, merge conflicts stack up. Over time, you feel less and less confident in the code. When you ask your teammates for code review with multi-thousand line diff, you're likely to get, to get a quick looks good to me rather than a thorough assessment. Not all projects are inherently small, but you can always break them down into smaller chunks. Uh, why don't I actually just read this whole thing and then we can talk yeah. about it. How about that? Yeah, okay. I think that's the best way to do it. Okay. So not all projects are inherently small, but you can always break them down into smaller chunks. We recently built a Savvy Cow feature called Workflows, which allows you to send emails at specific points in the meeting lifecycle. This project was a multi-month effort that consisted of 92 tasks. On day one, we began shipping pieces of this feature to production. That's pretty cool. Right out the gate, we added a workflows page to the navigation and tucked it behind a feature flag, visible only to admins. Then we created a few database tables to store workflow records and deployed those migrations. Shortly after, we shipped the ability to create workflows and see them on the index page. Of course, workflows couldn't do anything yet, but that's a concern for a later time. Next, we added the ability to attach a send email action to workflows. We couldn't send the email yet, but we're one step closer. Then we added a way to attach a workflow to a scheduling link. Each incremental task brought us one step closer to a functioning V1. By shipping these tiny branches to production as we go, we became increasingly confident in the bones of the feature. As soon as a slice of the project was ready to test, the whole team hammered out it in production, an effective way to tease out bugs and rough tease out bugs and rough spots in the user experience. The benefits of this approach extend beyond the ability to QA test as you go. Shipping small parts early on builds momentum for everyone on the project. Getting incremental changes on the main branch and into production frees your mind from trying to hold all the context for the overarching project. Merge conflicts become rare. Peer reviews are quick and effective. As a feature starts to take shape, you might even identify areas of scope that you can cut. That complex flow you initially mapped out may no longer apply now that you've had a chance to put your hands on a production prototype. If the feature feels good earlier than expected, it may make sense to start enabling the feature flag for some real customers to get their perspective. Next time you're staring down a daunting initiative, consider busting it apart into little projects and shipping as you go. Solid, Derek. Great job, buddy. I uh, I think when I read this, there i kind of realized that like so so i'm a big fan of shipping small but i didn't realize all the benefits of shipping small mm-hmm. and uh this article like really pointed them out so i'd always thought of shipping small as like the benefits of being technical things like you have zero downtime when you're doing small prs they're usually easy to merge you don't have to like 
shut down your website for maintenance to run, you know, conversion scripts. You're kind of doing like a pay as you go type thing leads to most of the time leads to zero downtime. Uh, things like QA is easier. Code reviews are easier. Um, we've talked about stuff like this mm-hmm, on the mm-hmm. pod before, but I, I think that's sort of what I've always thought about is shipping small, but I, I love the second part mm-hmm. where he talks about cutting scope, sharing it with customers. That's just, that's amazing. Like these are non-technical reasons and they're amazing. Like yeah. I never thought you could, I always thought cutting scope was a function of we're running out of time. We have, <laughs> what's, what's the easiest thing we can cut? Right. Um, it's, it was always like you would only ever cut scope if there was time pressure. But It's, this, a, it's a function of the product. It's a function of the product level decision making. Yeah, but this brings, yeah, exactly. The, this is like, no, actually we, we had a user use it and they loved it and we don't need to add the third feature because the first two features were enough. And I, I just never thought of like, oh, you can actually like, there's a good reason to cut scope. Yep. So. And I have so many thoughts here. First of all, it made me think of uh, when you're working on your own project, you basically are doing this. Like you're basically coding directly and looking in the browser. And as you go, you're not, you don't have any formal process. Um, You have an idea of what you're building, but you're feeling it out. And a lot of times when you tweak changes, like you're like, oh, that works fine. There's this, there's this thing that happens. I feel, I think is very natural. Most programmers could relate to on side projects where, the actual code and the seeing it in the browser results in a feedback of you changing what you were going to build and potentially reducing scope. And so it's exactly what you described where the actual, the actual implementation details, the implementation details, which you would think is like, right. If we have our product laid out, um, I don't care if you use PHP or use rails, like those are implementation details. They don't matter for if, if you could come up with the same application, but when you work on a side project, it's clear sometimes the implementation details, they actually do affect it, like you're saying. So it's just, it's interesting because it almost feels like a reverse relationship. But uh, maybe it's because, maybe it's because you are really front and center with the trade-offs that are constantly being made when you're writing software and where you want to get to and what benefit you're trying to see. If you're building a sortable list, I want to type it in. I want it to feel good. I want some feedback. And there's a million other things you could do. You could you could sit there and do uh, a search ahead auto you know auto search um, uh, suggestions. And if that's not the core, if that's if that's not what you're building, you're not going to do that. You're going to keep going because you are so aware of the cost and the trade off in terms of going down that road, right? But sometimes you want a really satisfying circle to fill up when you choose a goal, and so you go down that road. So uh, it's really interesting because I would have never. I think we usually think about, so kind of on the back of that, the other reaction I had when I was reading this was, is it kind of flipped from how we think about it in a lot of the ways we talk about it? Because when we think about things like that influence us, like the base camp folks and and shape up and shape ups talking about you're going up the hill as you're discovering what to build. Then you have a well-defined problem that you give to an autonomous team. They have the authority to change in order to achieve the outcome and the outcome is specified not so specifically right so that you will have changes in scope but it almost feels like what you said which is like normally we think about this like we have a goal and then that's where the shaping process is where we're doing the scope hammering you know 
Yeah, I think... And we think a lot more about the trade-off and costs beforehand. Like, we don't actually build our features like this. We, we do like to ship small, but we've never actually, like, put a link in a header that's hidden behind a, a flag. Or even just that's hidden. Funny. Or just even... In, I guess we have had a, a, a URL route, route that we didn't add to the navigation, which is an example of this. All mm-hmm. that to say, I kind of felt like, even though I love this article and I thought it makes so much sense, when we build and we think about shipping small... It's 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 more like instead of taking a what did he say? It's a ninety two tasks and a, a multi month effort. Instead of figuring out how we can ship task one today behind a feature flag, like I guess this is kind of devil's advocate. Is this intention with like the the shape up? What is the epicenter of this feature, and what can exactly. we ship end to end in a week? And I think or two weeks. That's kind of how you and I usually approach it. You know, I. I don't think they're in tension with each other because I think the the, epice- the epicenter is basically what are the first two tasks, the first three tasks, instead of saying, okay, we can't ship this until we get 92 tasks complete. So- I don't I don't know. I think now I, I think if you were making a case that this is still like the workflows, the epicenter thing, that's about like what is going to be in the end of it. But the first two tasks are not the same as like the epicenter because – the link to be, a feature that doesn't exist is the whole point uh, when he talked about that's the stuff around the epicenter of the of the feature that people mm-hmm. always spend time building and you you don't have a workflow feature unless you have a workflow so in, you know just kind of trying to speak as if i were um ryan uh, if i was ryan singer talking about it he, he, he would say okay you need a workflow in order to have a workflows feature so first i need to be able to create a workflow so where is the form where i can do that but wasn't you know that saying? the first thing? But that was the first thing they shipped, right? Yeah, I mean, he says uh, right out of the gate, we add a workflows page to the navigation tucked behind a feature flag. Then we create a few database tables. Shortly after, we should be able to okay create workflows and see them on the index page. Of course, they didn't do anything yet. I so interesting. So I was feeling so, like they were kind of like they had they had a vision for the whole feature, and then they were just doing it in the way that they did break it up in the way that they could ship it, but like. You would, I guess, you would have the form first before the link or something like that. I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe you maybe, have to. Maybe the wiring is what's important. You have to be able to click somewhere to get to the form. Yeah, I think that's like tomato, yep. tomato. Like, yep, I'm kind of to, talking myself into that too. Yeah, I, I always thought the epicenter stuff is like we're we're building an email client, so like the first thing we need to do is be able to send email. Right now, we're going to do that before we do login. We're going right. to do that before we do reset password. Right. Right. Um, right. right. And so, like, I look at that as like, yeah, the first thing we're going to do is create a workflow. I, I yep, I, I do like how this article forces you to you get it in production. Yep, uh-huh. yep. No, I, I, I've kind of talked myself out of it because I, I think I was hung up on this link thing because it's not something that we would normally do, and um, it felt like uh, next we have the ability to attach a send email action to workflows. We couldn't send the email yet, but we're one step closer. Um, to a functioning v1 by shipping these tiny branches to production as we go we became increasingly confident in the bones of the future as soon as the slice was ready to test the whole team hammered on it in production effective way to tease out bugs and rough spots um interesting yep i i, I think uh i think it is basically i think when i first read this i was seeing it as we have 92 tasks to do how let's break it up into um how much like how can we get the easy ones 
into the code base merged, even if they're behind a feature flag. But reading this again and talking with you, it's like, no, they're actually broken up by most important steps and the first steps for the user to complete the journey to, to actually get the job done. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, I think that's something I missed because, um, it feels like the emphasis is, uh, it is like the small, small pieces and we became increasingly confident in the implementation. But I think there's actually, I think the article could actually go further. Um, and say, you know, I think the hard part of breaking down. So let's say you have 92 tasks to do for a feature, right? Mm -hmm. You can make a database table and just ship that and merge it in and it's backwards compatible. Um, but you, yeah, you, you can, you could take off all of those tasks and just start going through that list or you could order them in terms of basically what he says here, which is how fast can we get the user to complete what they're trying to do? I think, I think, I think that this is a real important point, what, which yes. even could be highlighted even more because not a lot of teams do this kind of thing. There's, there are lots of teams that work on projects that have well-defined tasks and there are 80% of the way done across all these different pieces of it but you can't touch it or feel it in production. So I guess what I'm saying is someone could take away from this. Let's get all of this stuff in production merged. So we avoid merge conflicts behind a feature flag. Gotcha, but if but you, you can't. can't actually try it out and not just try it out, like the link works or the database doesn't break other queries, you're trying it out because you're trying to do what the user is going to be doing. That is the value, right? Right. Now, to be fair, he does say that because he, he does, does say, say that we do try it. And if it feels good, uh, we can get a few customers involved, which is, yes. is awesome. Absolutely. One thing I want to, I want to go back to what you said about like the implementation driving the features. Mm -hmm. And you gave the example of search and it's like, you know, do you want to do a fancy autocomplete search or just a basic search? That's, that's what you said, right? Something yep. like that. Yep. Um, it's really interesting because you can sit here and you can come up with a feature set and you can say, we have to have a nice autocomplete search. We have to have something that's like, you know, brings up a drop down, is keyboard nav navigatable, blah, blah. I add all these features to it because that's what like the best apps in the world do. But while you're implementing it, if you do a search and you hit enter and you get the results back in like 200 milliseconds, you might not need any of that stuff. You might that's not great. need. And, and that's a way where implementation can actually drive feedback or, or the opposite is true. You say you're going to do search and you run a search and it takes five seconds to come. Yeah. Back. And, and now like, you actually know. And yeah. it's, it's like, it's discovering it's shaping. It's, it's what we Dude, always talk about shaping. That is su that's such a good point. That is like such a good point and such a clear example of how, uh, an engineer could have like ammunition if they wanted to bring something to a product person or manager in order to say, Hey, like, let me show you. Okay, update, right? And it's a stand up, and I show you this works. Boom, I search, I hit enter, and you get results back into your milliseconds, and your job to be done is done. And then you say, All right, next up. So now you say, Next up on the task is the autocomplete. I estimate that to be a week, or you double it because that's what you should do as an engineer two weeks. And if you have that conversation in the abstract, especially among all the other competing priorities you have, it's very hard to explain that 
that this is this if especially if you're an engineer to explain that to your management team or your product person you have a feeling in the back of your head that's like uh you know this is gonna be a huge iceberg but if you not only break it up into small things and ship small but the important part is ship you, you know it's like you're shipping in order then you now have can bring it to the person and tell them it took me a week to build this and it works it's probably gonna take two more weeks to turn this search into an article and then you have the manager or the product person who's like oh we're not gonna take two weeks of totally your time to do that totally good enough so um it's almost like you want yeah that's really i think that's a really cool point because a lot of times if you're not in like one of these organizations that they talk about where you have like a technical shaper and a product shaper so that you're sitting there with your laptop open and going through the feature list and the technical person is able to say, Hey, this thing is a can of worms. It's an iceberg. Like, and the product person wouldn't know that at all, but now they do. Um, this is like a way if you're able to ship in or in that right order, you could do that. Even if you had some dysfunctions in your organization, you were still doing like maybe too much waterfall style development and people were missing deadlines and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. it's almost like a uh, ship small, ship fast, but sh- also ship in order. There's like, there's a, yeah. there's like a ship in order part that is it just as, if not more important than the fact that it's small and fast, you know? Right, 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 right. So you're not you- shipping small for the sake of a small commit. Exactly. Or you're not, you're, you're shipping small from the feature perspective. What is the small slice of the feature? The first step you're shipping in the first, the smallest step of the feature journey of the user journey. Yeah. If, if, if five people are working on five PRs and they, they all get 80% of the feature built and it's merged in, you don't have, that's not shipping small. That's exactly. The, yeah. Or that might be think they might think, Oh, we ship small, you know, but actually it, you you miss the point. So, um yeah that's pretty interesting it's like shipping a small step it's like shipping a small sliver or something something that connects it back to the to the the customer part because most of this is about technical stuff like you said but really it's like that's not the point that's actually not the point at all no it's not no reading this article i was like oh i was only thinking about the technical stuff because that's the stuff that benefits me right developer but right reading about the cutting scope the last paragraph uh, I mean, that was like yep. my mind exploded when I read that. Because like I said, I just always felt that cutting scope was like a concession. Right. Never a thing to be celebrated. Okay, we didn't. Right. Maybe you like do a fake celebration, but you know, it's a concession. It's we didn't Ah, interesting. Feature. So you were saying like, oh, we really wanted like a fancy button here or a page transition and we didn't something, have time to do it. Yeah, something like our search is really slow. So we need type ahead autocomplete, mm. but we ran out of time. So we cut, that's like, the app is still usable without that so we're going to cut that from the scope so it's it's not a thing to be celebrated it's more it's a concession it's given the budget right and given the time this, this is this is a feature set we can realistically build right uh, but everyone would want that search feature to exist right 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 but this right. article highlights there is actually scope you can cut that is completely unneeded things you thought were going to be needed but you can cut it and that that is a thing to celebrate that now is that's a, interesting a, that's another thing that i didn't quite get where I understood that, okay, we need this and it's good to go, but I didn't really quite, it's a really nice, you, you brought, you clarified that very well, that you can have scope cut for reasons of budget and running out of resources and time and having to hit your deadline. 
But you can also have scope cut that actually makes your product better because the extra scope was unnecessary, not because um, you didn't have the time or money for it, but because it literally was unnecessary in terms of helping the user achieve their their outcome. Dude, we've done a a ton of features where we're like, oh, we need to do this, this, and this. And then we actually like try something different or we get to the point where like, oh, we don't need to do those five extra steps. Right. But I never really think of that as like scope cut or anything. Right, right, right. Um, But on a bigger team where you have kind of the tasks like delegated and given out to you, that is actually scope you can cut. Right. All right. I guess you could kind of say that it's almost like it's a product decision. It's a change in like the product, but it kind of feels more like cutting scope than it would a product refinement in like a product meaning because you've built it and you thought you needed it. And it was the, it was the technical stuff that changed that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you can only, the, the, the key takeaways, you can only ever realize this if you're using it in production because right. if it lives, if it lives in a long running feature branch, no one's using it. No one can right. discover these things. Right. And so that's, uh, right. that's a power here. That's really cool. Very cool. Nice. I love this article. Um, yeah. Also, just one more one more thing I want to mm-hmm. say on this. It, it's funny that all these all these these things we talk about, Shape Up, Epicenter, mm-hmm. this article, Feature Flags, they all kind of go back to like the original value prop of Agile, which is, you know, ship early, ship often, break mm-hmm. things up. But it's it's funny that those <laughs> you know, Agile has become something that gets twisted and you know, its meaning is kind of lost and there's a million software products that do quote unquote agile that aren't really. And so we've all been on teams like that, right? That say mm-hmm. like we're agile and, and you have long running feature branches. So it's just interesting that all these ideas that we read about, you know, every few years, they're just new they're expressions just, of the old idea. Like, yeah, they're, they're more exactly They're It's the old idea, but it's, it's more, um, more like rigid takeaways mm-hmm. that you can actually test. Like, are we doing agile? Be, There's protocols. Be, There's like yeah, actual pro- protocols that you have. Exactly. So if you take like, oh, break things up into small chunks and uh, write tests and use uh, branches. If you could say like, oh yeah, we're doing agile. We do all those things. Right. You could just lie, right? You could just, right. you could do all those things, but still do like a quote unquote waterfall. Right, right, process. right. But when you get into articles like this, it becomes harder and harder. Like you said, there's protocols. It becomes harder yeah. and harder to, to fake. You know, it's more. Well, um, it's a it's a process that's closer to the end of the end of the um, the the whole line. So, like, if Agile says um, like user features, not like so, like not architecture or system details, right? So you're like, mm-hmm. you say, oh, okay, what's the protocol for that? Well, we're going to make cards that are always connected to a user and it's never going to be like front end, back end, right? It's like as a user, I can sign up to build UI, right? That's pretty good, right? So that, that's an improvement, but that's like earlier in the step, right? There's still this thing of building it and you could still fall back to like micro waterfall in the, in the actual uh, execution of that car, the impl- like the building out of the card. And exactly. so that's where people can get in the trap that you're describing, this is a cool protocol because um, shipping into production gets you even further where, you know, if you have to ship into production, you have to have a lot of things there in order to support that, that are 
probably inherently going to make your company more agile in, in the good way in the sense that teams can ship they can add feature flags like you don't have a huge process slowing you down you're you're embracing iteration you know and you're getting real feedback so shipping to production is like closer and then even closer to that is like we're not just shipping random things to production we're shipping the steps of the journey and so now it's almost like if the protocol is like what is the first step of the user journey and how do we now we get that into production? You don't even need that card in the beginning, almost, right? Or you don't even you don't have to ask yourself how do we get from that card to that first uh, merge commit because now you're focused on this thing. So I like it feels like a more refined, better protocol because it's closer to the actual point, which is how do we test this user journey as fast as possible so we can start iterating on it. Thank you. Yes, that was that was so well said. Yeah, because when you have a team that does iteration. It's basically, what are we going to do this week? Right. What are we going to do next week? Right. What are we going to do in week three? You don't actually ship anything. Yeah, you just yeah. say, what are we going to do this week? What are we doing next week? Exactly. But that's not the point of iteration. The point of iteration is to get you to a point where you can ship. And this forces you to address that. This doesn't exactly. let you bury uh, the shipping behind. Oh, it's next the week. Weasel okay, word of, it's a weasel word of iteration yeah. where you're oh, pretending I'm adding to be iteration number 15 to right. the calendar. Okay, <laughs> yeah. let's go. Oh man, Sprint ninety five. What are we doing yeah, this week, guys? Exactly. Like, no, it's it's really true. Um, I think, yep, yeah, I think it's awesome. It's awesome. A lot of wisdom in this, and it's just cool because like uh, Derek has been building his working for himself, building his own companies for years now, um, six years or something. Like we met him at the MicroConf in twenty sixteen, seventeen. He was left Drip the year before, so yeah. Something like that. So he's been working um, by himself for a long time, for years now, many different software projects, and he's changed how he's thought about a lot of things. He's iterate. He's improved it. He has skin in the game. So I just think there is obviously that he's having success with this, right? Because he's talked a lot about things that have not worked out well for him, and he's not had success. And he was very happy with this and the way he talked about it on Twitter with the way his team is shipping. So that, to me, makes it even str- a stronger argument to embrace this he's got skin in the game he's a guy we trust and um the way he's talking about how successful this this these protocols are is is really cool so awesome nice all right you think that's a good place to wrap it yeah yeah sweet um thanks for listening everyone i think next week we're going to talk about some cool stuff ryan's been doing with uh react server components and next 13 so yeah we'll We'll see how we feel in a week you know every week Every week seems something new comes up, <laughs> so we'll have to see how we feel about it. But uh, it's pretty, it seems pretty interesting what you're doing today. So Cool. Awesome. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. See you guys.